So, so talk to us, JB. Tell us, uh, tell us why. And I, and I know your story. What is EntrepreneurCon? Like, what is that? Explain that. So, Entrepreneur Conference was was something that was put together uh, with me and my partner Ryan Riddle. Uh, what we did was we wanted to really create something that was different and local. Most of the time, you know, New York is one of the most densely populated, most desired places to go to. Long Island, not so much. It's not that it's a boring place. It's just not as uh, as sexy and as desired as New York City. But uh, Long Island actually would be like the seventh largest economy. I'm sorry. It would be in the top 20 largest economies on the planet if it were to secede from the union. So there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, so we have a lot of people that were in Long Island. And they were leaving the state to go to conferences and events. And Ryan and I do a lot of business out here. And we said, why don't we just bring that to here this year, make it something big and people look forward to and kind of be the industry leaders when it comes to uh, doing conferences for entrepreneurs and base it out of Long Island. And it's uh, it was a new concept and uh, we, we went with it and it was, it was pretty successful and we're going to do it again this year. How many years have you been running this? That was our first ever show, the one you went to. It was? Yeah. Dude, that was clean. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, we, we did a lot of work on that. But yeah, that was our first ever. <clears throat> oh, wow. I thought you were in it like five years. No, yeah. no. We, uh, we never did it before. So now, now we have a lot more experience. Like the year next, this year coming up is going to really trump last year. And last year was good. Um, so we, we're, we're very excited about it. So was it a was it profitable or was it a break even or a loss for you? Yeah, a great question. I mean, it, it was profitable. Uh, what we did though that skimmed out a lot of profits is I don't know if you noticed this, but when the first one we did, we didn't sell on stage really almost at all. Uh, we just delivered, 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 delivered. And it's funny because when we were setting it up, people were like, "Hey, I don't want it to be a pitch fest," and it wasn't. And then when we were done, people were like, damn, man, I really wish you offered me some more opportunities to get more education from the speakers. So uh, wow. what we're going to be doing now is this year coming up, it's going to be the same delivery. No one's going to hold back and say, all right, well, this is great. And oh, by the way, if you want to know more, I'll stop right here. You got to buy this. Instead, it's going to be, I'm going to give you everything. It's going to be raw up front. We're not going to hold back. And there's going to be opportunities with the speakers for about 10 to 12 people per speaker to be able to go off to a mastermind for a weekend with them will arrange so we're going to have things like that it's going to help the profitability but it's also going to help with at the end of the day user experience because there well, has I to mean, be rev share right you're going to have rev share on that right yeah there's, there's yeah there, there's rev share on things there's sponsorships right so we have a lot more sponsorships you know a lot of people thought when we were bringing out cardone and all these big guys and we never did it before that it wasn't even real uh right so you know they're like i never right. heard of this is never, he going to show up were you like worried he wouldn't show up no, absolutely not. No, Grant's a professional guy to work with. Uh, when, we, when we make an agreement with him, we were never worried if he was going to show up or not. Um, he did what he said he was going to do, and, and, and we enjoyed working with him. Yeah. At least, yeah, yeah, he, he let, did show up. Yeah, he did. I, he, yeah. I, I, was he in town, or did he just fly right in and just roll in? No, he, he came out. Uh, he was in town already, but he came out for the purpose of this conference. Um, yeah. Long Island is not really a thing on most. I think, I think honestly, except for Rene Rodriguez and Coach Burt went to the Hamptons once. Uh, everyone else, it was their first time ever in Long Island. You know, so it was kind of cool to bring them all out there. But, uh, yeah, mo everyone who came out, their, sole, their real purpose for being in that state at that time was, was for that reason, for the conference. That's cool. What are, you, what, are you doing this conference full time? Are you doing other things? Like what else no, do you guys got yeah. going on? 
Yeah. So uh, my bread and butter is the way I got started in this business in 2018. I, um, I actually, no, 19, um, I started a sales training company. And what I really specialized in was real estate sales. I was in the real estate industry since I was 19 years old. And I was doing it on like an independent level, not as a company. And uh, I decided, let me go and go, go get bigger. So in Long Island, I became the largest real estate sales trainer, worked with a lot of brokerages, um, top agents and teams, developed them a lot. And during that time, I built out a studio. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that studio right now. And I had a media team specifically for me. And everyone kept asking me, hey, could you help me with a media project? Or could you consult me on some stuff for media? I'm like, sure. And I kept doing one-offs, 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 never advertised it. In 2020, without advertising media and marketing and consulting, we were getting two times the amount of volume and demand on it. So it kind of evolved into a full, full-fledged consulting company. So what I do regularly now is content creation, ads management, uh, creative strategy, design, uh, user design experiences, and um, we still have the sales training component now for all industries and business training. So it's a full-on consulting company now. That's what I do. It evolved from real estate only to now uh, business in general, and now we do these conferences too. On top of it, using the so you kind of just build into this. Yeah, yeah. It evolved. Now, into like in the beginning, of- if I was like, if me and you were boys, I was like, "Yo, JB, could you help me with that?" Would you be like, "Nah, this costs twenty bucks, and I'll help you," or are you doing it for free? Then you're like, "Oh crap, I got to start like charging for this." Great question. Uh, actually, in the beginning, I would just help people out. What really, what really put my company as a media company was I helped right when COVID started. Um, I helped someone do an online webinar for a charity fundraiser. This is when everything was shut down, like the first month when kind of the economy came to a halt. And we had 9,000 people come onto that webinar and they stayed on for eight and a half hours. And from that point on, I feel like, oh, shit, we have something here. And that's where it became like, hey, if you want something done and you're serious about it, uh, come to JB, come to Tillery Media. So that's where it kind of came together. But all of it was always done just as a favor to help someone out. It was for free or it was for cost. And then it became a a real moving thing that uh, that developed over time. Do you you feel like doing that as favors helped you get where you are faster? Or looking back, you're like, crap, I wish I like started charging sooner. 100%. 100%. Even my coaching business, I built it up initially by not charging. So if you're trying to break into a market, even if you're very good at it and you don't have contacts established yet, you don't have layup deals, and you need to get out of non-existence with people and get in front of them, you're going to need to incentivize them to take time out of their day that they value to work with you. And the best way to do that is to give them an opportunity to fill you out, to give them an experience. And when you show up and what you do for free is such high quality, the next thing they wonder is, well, what happened if I pay this guy? And that's the biggest thing is I think a lot of people, when they do freebies, they hold back a lot. They water it down so much to the point where they're really just not interested to find out what else you have to offer because it was eh. But when you deliver like incredible work, even if it's as a favor or free, uh, people go, whoa, and they take notice. I've had people that I've done free stuff for when I was getting started that never paid me but sent me six figures worth of referrals. So you never know the value of someone. They never wrote me a check, but you know we've made a couple hundred grand just from them being in our life and us helping them out. What's your ideal client look like? Like if you get an inbound referral or call, what's that? What, what do you hope, like perfect? Like 
Believe it or not, the bigger the game, the easier it is for us. So Mm -hmm. we work with a few range of clients, but I'll answer it as far as ideal. What generally speaking, when people think of content creation or media, we'll get like a business person. They're very successful, but they really don't understand like how do I brand or how do I set something up or and we work with them. Uh, That's great. And we build them up. Uh, The thing is, is that when someone doesn't know who they are yet, what their persona is, what they represent, there's a lot more development. And it takes time to do that. We like his big game, someone who's already a persona. Uh, and one of those great clients are someone who's like, all right, this is where I'm at. This is where I need to be at. I need someone that can plug this in, have a sales team that can be trained for it, build out this funnel, help me with my content strategy, where we can kind of like plug in all of our divisions into that one client. Those are, those are great. Um, that being said, someone looking to grow open-minded, and they understand the process that it takes some time to do it and doesn't want to become, you know, a uh, Grant Cardone overnight because that's not possible. Even Grant Cardone didn't do that. Uh, that, that, that's a great client for us. You know, so we love working with everyone, but the so you like, you, you want to pour gasoline on a fire. You're, you want, oh. you know, that's already gone. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And if we start a fire, we love that too, but people don't realize that when you're really making content, we really want to get people to know who you are. That's another full-time job and you shouldn't be intimidated by that, but you should look at that realistically. It's not like we take some pictures and then we write this amazing copy and now everyone loves you and follows you. It has to be a whole movement behind it. So a client that understands that is, is an ideal client for us because we can really get a lot of stats for them that way. So, so like Gary, what, what does Gary V say? Post 12,000 times a day, like just post, post, post. Um, yeah. what, what's, What's like something JB says to do that maybe people haven't heard before? Well, what we like to do is there's four quadrants to creating your online personality, personal, professional, family, and flex. Personal is what you do in your personal, personal. life, like that. Professional, professional, family, and flex. Family. So the personal is I'm going to the gym, I'm fishing with my buddies. Hey, I have my sports car, I'm taking it out or anything that's personal that you like to do. It could be a hobby, whatever it is. Professional is you at work doing deals, maybe like handling a problem, whatever it is. Family is your spouse, your kids, your, your household family, ideally. And then flex is bragging about something, but not being arrogant about it. And the people go, well, I don't have a, I don't have a, like a, a paddock. I don't have a Rolls Royce. How do I flex? Well, you don't have to flex that way. Flexing is sharing something that other people also want to achieve or have. That could be showing how happy you are in your relationship. That could be a cool closing you just did. That could be a milestone. Maybe you lost a lot of weight or you look a lot better. These can all count as flexes too. And when people see these four different versions of you, you start to become someone that they can understand when they log on to your stuff. And we spend a lot of time developing that. Like our content strategy team spends a couple hours and we learn everything about our client, the personal, what's going on, what their origins are, their story, what makes them happy, what pisses them off, what makes them scared. And we create all of these pieces that make them relatable to people out there. And then we do what's called a shotgun marketing initially, where we develop content in all of these different things they talk about with us. From there, two to three type of things hit hard. People like that and see that. And then we develop all of our content around that. And uh, generally that's what we do. And some of the best ways to get people to understand you is comedy or parody. So, if you're, you know, Bob Smith, you're a great guy, you're, 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 you're charismatic, you're successful, whatever it is, but just enough people don't know who you are, 
well, well, that's cool. But, you know, maybe a lot of people know what a certain movie is or they know what a certain TV show is. So we'll actually develop a storyline around the parody that people can find and relate to and laugh about. And then before you know it, bang, it works. Um, we actually had a, a client of ours. She was really camera shy. And we did a very short clip for her. We wrote it. She's in front of a really nice house. She's a real estate agent. And she said, so I actually, I'm going to show you a house that you can buy right here in Long Island for $100,000. And then the camera goes, and it goes to an actual cardboard house that was built. And, um, you know, she was averaging about 1,000 views. And she got about 50,000 views on that. She gained over 1,000 real organic followers in less than a week. She got reposted by all the influencers that are following her now in the real estate space. And people are waiting for other stuff. She's averaging now 6,000 per video that she's posting organically. So she's up 5,000 than she was. And that's all from us being able to get creative and figure that out. So that's what we do. Like um, Gary's, Gary Vaynerchuk's 100% right. The volume is, is super important. Uh, but most people hire us because they can't, they, they just, they, 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 they're not there yet. They can't actually think like, man, I should document this. I should post. And to compensate for the lack of quantity, we really increase the quality. That's what we're doing for them. So what, what are you working with people only locally or you, can you figure out how to do it nationally? Like, could we hire you? Absolutely. We're working with people in Arizona, Los Angeles, Texas, Miami. Uh, we have it done in a few ways. Some people actually hire our team to go out and other people have their own video team that our team actually coaches, creates all the lines the scripting, gives them the angles and shots, everything that they need and how it needs to be done. Uh, works with them on their edits, and then we do all the content strategies virtually too. Uh, so it all depends on the amount of um, time and money someone wants to put into it, but we can fully consult virtually and give you the, the blueprint, or we can actually do it anywhere, you know, anywhere in the country as well. What's some uh, tech or software that you, you guys love? So, I mean, as far as what we're, we're using in our day-to-day -day is... Uh, like how are you making that background? Is that real or is that That's is real. That that's real. That's real. That's a video wall. Yeah. So it's just. Uh, can you show it? Can you move it around? Can you move the camera around? Or is the uh, camera fixed? Val, can you do a little bit of like a? <laughs> I'm gonna have one of my people do it. Uh, yeah. While we're sitting here, I guess yeah, we've. I've never seen anything like that. I don't know what it is. Here we go. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have one of my camera people. It's show clean, it. like your event, just super clean. Yeah. So Would have never here. known. So you got that's a that's a light over there. You got you got some yep, big we have lights. Soft lights here. We have a yeah. video wall back there. I don't know if you can't yeah. see the seams in the screen, can you? Right. The seams in the screen. No. Oh, you know what? Here, Val, Val just turn this light on really quick. Here, let's turn the light on. So what they're doing is what turning the light on so we can see uh, his background. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Is that a TV? That's a screen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's six so, screens combined. Yeah. Oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then we have a, we have a matrix. Next level. Yeah. That, that takes that imaging. You could, you could put it back the way it was Val. Where do you, you learn this stuff? How are you learning this? So we, how are we forced Ra to raise, you know, like, she's got to raise the camera back up. Yeah. We just got to get the angle higher again. Yeah. yeah. Just so you're, it's up, 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 up. Ah! <laughs> I messed it up. There we go. Yeah, there, there. Hit that. You're good. Boom. There you go. Cool. So, so where yeah, do you learn also, this? Where, where do you just like trial and error, or do you have a mentor? A, a little bit of everything. So there's trial okay. and error. Uh, so there's mistakes we made along the way that we perfected. 
there's also a team, right? So like uh, I have a media team, my executive, my, uh, my, my, the executive here that's in charge of all digital media, I got them from the WWE. So, uh, and I've got two people from WWE that came. And so they, they, brought, they, they brought some tricks of the trade with them? Absolutely. We want to bring people on that have technical know-how on things that we can also learn from that becomes a part of the way we do this company. So I wish I could show you right now. I've streamed it. I'll tag you when I'm, uh, next week when I'm there again. We're building out a 10,000 square foot studio now. And that studio is going to be the first of its kind uh, in New York. When you walk in, there's going to be all different studio sets uh, for music, for talk show, for podcasts, for film. Um, we have a huge bank vault that's real that's converted to a conference room. But all of the outside of the studios are going to be storefronts. And there's going to be a sidewalk in streets. And you can turn the lights off and it'll look like nighttime. Street lights can come on. Or you can turn it into daytime. Uh, even the bathroom is fully remodeled for people who are influencers in the makeup, hair, beauty industry. They go in there. Everything is a set. Every single thing is a set within there. So we're building that out now, too, to kind of create the hub. How you came so fast in two, three years. Let me let me circle back. I think I was listening, you know, but like, what were you doing before that? Before that, I was doing real estate. I was doing, you were, real, you estate were doing real estate training. I was doing real estate sales and training. Yeah. Okay. And as, as a one man team, just me. I mean, yeah, the team I had, it was selling real estate. I was pretty, doing the sales by myself. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Pretty didn't lucrative. You, you popped out of sales. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, what I'm saying it was bad is in like, when I turned that off to do this, I lost a lot of money to do that. And generally speaking, I would, I would advise people not to turn off things that are making really good money for you. But at the time, like when I was building this out, the, the company that I have in my office, I was looking for just a little office to do business out of. The, the place that I signed for was much bigger. Um, and I remember I signed a lease. And when I did, I only had enough money to fund that business for three months. Still had to do a full renovation, build a studio, hire staff, uh, do a grand opening. And um, within three months, I pulled that off because I went out and got coaching contracts. I think uh, what makes me move fast is I'm always working on a project that's too big for me. It literally like forces it. me to do it. You know, like yeah. I was a one person coaching people. I should have got a little office, maybe a thousand square feet, had a little bit of area to train. Instead, I went and got a, a place that fits 20, 30 people, and it was just me walking in by myself. Um, I had no business putting together this conference at the time, but I did. Uh, so the thing is, is that like this, this new studio that we're doing, just as we're big enough to kind of do whatever we need to do here, we build this massive studio in another location, and it costs five times, actually almost six times per month what we're doing now. I'm not saying that to brag or complain. I'm just saying I think what really helps you grow fast Flex. Force. Yeah. Flex. Force. That's right. Flex. What, what was the spend on the, uh, on the event? It was, uh, it was, it was just under a million dollars. The stage wow. alone costed, you know, over you know, about half a million. So, so how do you fund that? Do you, did you take out a loan or borrow or did you have it or did you sell pre-sell and then, and then have that fund fund the line? Yeah. So all of the above um, yeah. initially. So uh, Ryan's a partner of mine. Ryan, Ryan uh, contributed to it as well. Uh, and also on top of that, we sold tickets. We pre-sold tickets before we even had a speaker lineup. Uh, then our ad campaign started to work really well. We were able to recycle that money and kind of grow that spend out too. Uh, we took out a loan to float our actual employees in the meantime, because took all hard assets and moved it there. And once again, to put this conference together, 
at that time, I had to stop growing my other business and put all of my assets, my time, energy, money, all my personnel on this conference because we promised a lot and we delivered it, but we delivered it at a cost and that cost is definitely worth it. And, uh, but when you're going through it, you don't even realize like, I remember the day after the conference, all of us felt like we got hit by a truck. Uh, so we needed a day to rest. We loved it. Had an amazing experience. Like I thought it was the coolest thing. My birthday was the day of the conference. And I remember they brought this birthday cake. I'm celebrating my birthday with Brad and Tim Grover. I got Grant Cardone signing my birthday card. I got everyone like, oh, this is so freaking cool. What a validating, cool experience. Next day, I feel like I got hit by a truck. The day after I come into the office, I didn't even realize my chest was tight because I felt so loose, which means that like I got used to all that pressure and stress. Um, and I think like doing that process was good because when you look at the end result, you're like, whoa, it's worth it. You know, uh, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this and, and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not like this with everything in business, but this particular project, I was literally willing to die to pull it off. And I'm Grow not or die. That's it. That's it. And I, I don't think like that with everything. I really don't. I'm not one of those guys that tell you like every day, I wake up four o'clock in the morning, jump in like freezing cold water, say all my affirmations and then do this and that. And everything I do is hardcore. Wait, I'm not that You know guy. what Andrew does every morning? What? What you just all said? That? I, don't, I, I <laughs> take a cold shower. Give me a break, man. But by the way, there's nothing wrong if you do. I'm just saying like um, I, I have, I, I pick my battles where I go really hard in. And then some people got that discipline everywhere they go. So I'm just telling you the realities of it. There's some stuff that I don't go too hard on. And there's other stuff where I'll outwork anyone in. And it really depends on like what the mission is. If there's enough people involved, then I will literally do whatever it takes. If it's a small game, uh, I'll lose track. And, and that's why I think some people suffer in, in, in business because they fail at small things and they don't realize like if they did a big thing, they'd probably succeed. The game's not big enough, so they can't stay engaged. So uh, if you want to find out what the best version of you is, do some shit that's so big that literally you cannot afford for this to go wrong. And uh, I, I, think, I, think I, I, I think I would just fail. You think so? <laughs> I, I, I feel like I would be like a million dollars spend. Like I'd have to like compartmentalize that. Like, like how, like I'm going to go, uh, you're basically like risking potentially a million dollars of your own yeah. money. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. scary. For sure. It's like, only money, bro. Right. It's, it's only, only money. money. But I mean, listen, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's only money, but you know, sometimes when you work hard for it, you save it. You yeah. don't, you know, you don't want to part with it as easy i, w I would be I, I would be like how are we going to get that million back like well I, I would say this so we had something bigger to lose than a million at the time and that million is a lot for us it was it's not like it's like yeah yeah yeah. we got like 75 million it's no problem right um it right, was a lot exactly um the thing was is that we well we can we can get that million back even if we lose what we can't get back is our credibility and our reputation like you're getting on an airplane you're packing your bags. You're coming out. There's other people that say, hey, I like what you have to say. I don't even know if this is legit, but here's my money. I'm going to be there. We can't let someone down. We just can't. You know, like we were prepared if we needed to even lose if we needed to because we're not going to let people down. You know, we even, we even sold our speakers to come out, you know, and we were excited to bring them out. And 
we, we didn't want to let anyone down. We wanted to deliver an amazing experience. And I think that was the thing that drove us. If it was like, like I give you an example, if I invested all that money into crypto all day, I'd be thinking, oh shit, what am I doing? <laughs> Is it, did I make the right decision or not? But when I invested into this, I'm like, look, well, no matter what happens, we can make it right. We can fix it, but we can't fix our reputation if we let down a thousand people that spent money on this thing and expected something good out of it. Like we wanted the AV, the intros, the music, the lighting, the, the, the run of show, the speaker. We wanted to deliver a lot where my goal was by lunchtime, I wanted you to get your money's worth. And I think for most people that that's how they felt. In fact, the only thing I think that went wrong is freaking AC broke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. you're you're like a media genius, man. It's it's natural. I don't know if you got somebody else there that's telling you what to do, but I mean, yeah, you, you had everything. Got, like you had the good looking girls seating everybody. You just had everything right. But yeah, the AC. But you fixed it though. We did. We good. fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you but, make these sales? That was all right. I, I just stepped out for a few minutes. It was it was that that real good real estate guy. What was that kid's name? Which one? That's the, the kid from California that sells like a billion dollars of real estate a week. Oh, from Arizona? Yeah, Jason. Yeah. Jason Mitchell? Yeah. Jason Mitchell, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We love I him. missed that one. <laughs> yeah. He's Because he's he though. was he's... on when the AC was cooking. But and what was that, Josh? I, I was asking, how do you make these sales? Is it just you pick up the phone, online, yeah, so, knocking yeah, on so, people's doors? A, a, a little bit of everything. Um, a majority of it came from the ads that we ran. And the way that we ran the ads were we were allowing people to reserve a ticket free for three days. And what that means is that they were able to reserve and hold a spot. So if you didn't have the money today, you can hold a spot and in three days it would expire. Uh, we had a really cool funnel. What we did is we surveyed all of my prior clients, everyone that's done business with me in the past. And we wanted to find out what their buttons are. And what buttons are, are things that make people want to take action or things that are important to them. And what people were starting to say is that their biggest button, their biggest thing is I'm tired of chasing clients. I don't want to chase clients. I want them to chase me. I want people to know who I am. So the biggest headline, which we would have never been able to guess, we had to do the research to find out was get known outside your network. And for some reason we did the get known outside your network. That thing popped and we were having mm. a bunch of leads come in. Our team would call. Uh, including me, we would call and we would convert a decent amount. Uh, some people required follow-up and other people just bought on their own. Uh, in addition to that, uh, our client base, people who've already done business with that trust us, we call, cold called them or had like small events in Long Island. And at the end of the event, our upsell was the, the conference. And then we even had flyer distributions around where the venue was with barcodes. And we could track that they were buying from the flyers. So it cost us $700 to print the flyers. And we made about $11,000 from that $700 investment. So wow. that one worked out well too. So it really came down to really knowing our market. Did we do it perfect? I don't think we did it perfect, but we did it in 30 days. So now that we have a lot more time- You did research, it in 30 days? Yeah, because it took three months of, we came up with the idea to do the conference in late March. So we like, hey, let's do a conference. Let's do it this year. Uh, so then what we did was we need to book speakers. So we spent time booking speakers. Keep in mind, it was during COVID and New York is one of the strictest states for COVID. So we were tentatively about to book a venue with a capacity of 2000 people. And then on contract sign, they're telling us, oh, by the way, you can't have more than 250. Well, shit, that doesn't work. So we were moving around. We had this like, now we don't have a venue anymore and we're selling tickets. And now we're spending money on ads. 
So right. how are we going to give their money back? We're not, we're not going to do it. We're going to do this conference. So we found a venue uh, and we were testing different ads. We, we ran, we had 118 different variations of an ad. Holy what that means cow. is that it's not 118 totally different videos. It's different copy, different headliner, different graphics on our pop-ups within the ad. Out of the 118, three hit really well. Those are the ones we finalized. Just as that research was being done, we were finally able to secure a venue that would give us maximum capacity. And when we were finally ready to say, okay, gentlemen, it's time to run real ads, throw some real dollars and make this thing official. No more testing. We were 33 days out from the conference. How much did you spend on, uh, I guess they would call it split testing or AB? Uh, split right? testing, we spent like maybe three, four grand. You know? Okay, with the 118 ads? Yep. Yep, we're spending because we just want to see which one resonates the most. It's not necessarily and, the money; it's the time too, right? It's just like right. that's like yeah. more valuable. Wait, three or just... four grand per ad, or three or four total. grand total? Total. Okay, so is that what you're spending, like when you're putting the ads to people to see? No, no. that's what he uh, spent to test them out to see which ones popped, right? That's right. Then, yeah. then the three popped, and then what'd you put behind it? About anywhere from like five to seven thousand dollars a day. <laughs> Okay. For how yeah. long? For like 30 days? For almost a month. Yeah. So it's we, just we like, turned it's down. just pushing, pushing, pushing yeah. hard. Yeah. We everywhere. started at about a thousand dollars a day, then went up to 2000 a day and then went up to like three. And then by, we got to like day 15, six, like not even day 15, day 12, 13. Now we were doing 5,000, 7,000, you know? So uh, that's, that's kind of what we had to do to kind of push it out. Now keep in mind, we were running out of time. So we have to make over a million dollars in 30 days. Wow. So yeah. that's, that's, that's the, the, the environment that we were in and we we're fighting this, this freaking pandemic was happening. So we don't even know, like people were had all these considerations on things that normally they wouldn't. So we were battling a lot. So we had to get very aggressive, very resourceful. If you were saying, Hey, JB, I want to build out my brand. I don't need to do $4,000 in AV testing for you. I don't need to create 118 ads. We can create six or seven or eight different variations. We can spend a couple hundred dollars or a G. We could do that in probably a month and a half, two months. And then we can run ads and start at 50 bucks a day and scale up where you're not losing money. So, but we, but if we have, let's say if you tell me, Hey, I got 20, I got 30 days, 60 days. And we got to do a million dollars. Then what we're doing is we're going super aggressive and we're just making sure we're out producing whatever the problem is, or we're going to do our best at least. Essentially, uh, to keep the morale high during that time, uh, what we did was I came up with an agreement because everyone's getting stressed out. We ran into a lot of walls. You know, trust me, it wasn't this thing wasn't just turnkey. I mean, uh, if I was I, spending five grand a day, I I would be just yelling the entire day. Yeah. I, I would just be like, "Well, fuck are the sales? Who sell?" I would be like. Yeah. Were you calm or were you like... I, I had to be. In fact, most of my people didn't know I was nervous. I would get stressed out, uh, but mo I always kept uh, always a positive face. That's was there the somebody top. there like going, like, yo, we like pick up the phones or, <laughs> you know, was it to a, a call to action to, yeah. to buy yeah, the ticket or was action. it for a phone number? It was a call to action. We would receive, we, and also we'd receive inbound leads. So if someone were to call... It would route in and then the voice message would tell us this is for entrepreneur conference, like um, VIP ticket, entrepreneur conference, yeah. whatever ticket, because different numbers yeah. that we could tell. Uh, and then they would work on that. As far as infighting and stress, sure, we have people like sometimes clash with each other, but we break that up quickly and make it happen. Essentially, what I wanted to do was luckily I was working with a team that really gave a shit. 
Like no one there was just collecting a paycheck. Everyone there really wanted this to go right. Like they were getting paid, but what I'm saying is they weren't just there for their well, job. Well, giving, giving a shit and actually getting your money back are like, I feel like are two different things. You know what I mean? Like yes. I can't, you know, like people care, but they don't always care about making a profit. Yes. You know? Oh yeah, I care about this, but I don't really necessarily care if we make the money, JB's money back, right? Or whoever. Sure, but it's also yeah. not their problem. Like I'll give you an example. Like, yeah. That's one thing that I learned. Like my video guy, he cares, but- it's not necessarily his job. I didn't hire him to, to, to watch the PNL. I hired them to produce. So the best right. way that he can help me make my money back is by him doing what I hired him for really well. Um, and that's something where you got to look at it that way. And essentially what I did with my crew was this. I had a meeting and I said, guys, here's the deal. This is going to really be a fight till the end. We are not going to know if this goes right until the day off. We're not going to know. There's going to be no sleep, no nothing. Here's what's going to happen. That day of, I don't care anymore if it's full. What I care about is we need to all be able to look each other in the eyes and go, there's nothing else we could have done to pull this off. We need to leave, put everything on the table, and we have to agree that no matter what happens, there's nothing else we could have done, and I won't be upset with anybody. And we agreed on that. And that day, even the day of, even though we saw the numbers of ticket sales or whatever, we were still like, oh, my God. And that place was full. And uh, one of the first things I said when I came out, I was like, oh, we did it, you know, and um, and it was really cool to see that. But it was it was really something. And, and you at that moment, when you're a leader, you cannot break in front of your people. You can't pour out all your problems on them, because what do you want? You want to tell your people that essentially you're doing everything you can to make this thing go right. You know what I mean? Like I canceled health insurance for, for my whole family to be able to make sure that my people can get paid. I never shared that before. Why would I tell wow. them that? Has yeah. nothing to do with anything, you know? Um, I, uh, I, I literally, I, I sold stuff, you know? My wife sold stuff to make stuff happen, you know? And the thing is, is that like, people think it's easy. Like, no, we did it because it's hard. Like, I didn't have to do this. I was making really good money. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's the problem, I, I, that's the trade. You just literally started a new small business that's with right. this event. Yeah. So, you know, whatever we had to do to make sure our people, you, at no point do you want your people to ever feel that they lost their security because of your insecurity, because then everything starts to crumble. And our people never felt that way. Our people always got paid on time. In fact, most of our people got raises and bonuses after the event, and that cut into hard into our profit, didn't care, because we're going to do round two. And round two, we're probably going to ask even more of them. And when people know, like, these guys have our back and they care, and when we work our ass off, we will get rewarded. If it's not that day, at the end of it, when it's all said and done, you have people that are going to work very hard to get it done. And they care about it. They love it after that because they see you care about them. Like, don't care about your business. Care about your people. Obviously, they have to know that it, it, the business is the thing that keeps us all together. So you can't neglect the business. It's not like we're friends in the business secondary. But if they know, like, man, you really have their back. They understand that the only way that this can go on is if this business is successful and don't try and put pressure on someone that's not responsible for something or put that on them. Like I'm not going to put all my sales stats on my video guys, unless my video guys are dropping the ball on edits I need and it's their fault. But if they're delivering, giving me my deadlines, they're never going to hear it. If you're spending 5k a day on mm -hmm. social media ads, I'm guessing like Instagram, Facebook, yeah. whatever. Like how many calls were you getting? How many, how many sales? 
Uh, we were getting, so as you get closer, just if you ever put an event together, I just want you to know that it's very natural for the final big wave to happen towards the end. It sucks because you can't really do any like math. Oh, we know all about that, don't we, Andrew? We, we do events quarterly. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's stressful and it's like, uh, you know, um, so yeah, we talked about putting on a big event, but then the stakes are just like through the roof and you're like, yeah, if I had 10 million bucks, you know, sitting in the bank, yeah, let's, let's bankroll a million dollar deal. But you know, it's just, it's not like that. Yeah. So it's just, it's scary. It's, it's, it's scary. It is. It's one of the scariest yeah. businesses because there's so yeah. many things you just don't control. There's so many other sure things out there. Yeah, there is. You know, like so, for sure. So you're so you're getting how many calls off five grand in ads? I mean, I know you said most of it might have come towards the end, but like, you know, was, did so, you have some idea? Like, sure. I mean, we're getting about we're, we're probably getting like reservations every couple minutes. And then mm -hmm. sales would probably be, we probably sell like VIP tickets were most important to us because they're the bigger ticket items. How if much was that? Uh, at the time, that was 2,500. Uh, okay. Super cheap, uh, yeah. relatively speaking. Uh, so, you know. Depends on who you talk to, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah. But when, when, like, for example, when you get access to those speakers, like I'll give you an example. Like if you go to book Grant Cardone, you're going to spend at least a quarter of a million dollars to get them to come out somewhere. You know, so like at the end of the day, someone that spends 2,500, we spent 1 million, you know, like, right. I, and so, and, and Grant even says that with his stuff, which is pretty cool, but like, it's, um, it's a different experience, not just front row seating. Um, but that being said, to answer your question, I think what, what we were doing is we we're probably getting a sale maybe every 20 minutes. Um, and then into the night it would turn up when we we're sleeping. Uh, Cause while we were sleeping, they were awake and surfing the web. Uh, we had really good retargeting set up. So someone that would follow someone else, we were targeting those audiences anyway. So if you were, if someone's a speaker at the event, we were targeting them. And if they had a parallel influencer, like let's say, for example, oh, if you follow Brad, that means you also follow Gary V. Gary V may not even be at that conference, but we're going to target his audience. Yeah. You know, like, so we were target, but we're specifically, we're targeting the audience of the people that are going to be there. Cause those are people that we know are already paying these people or paying to see these people. So that's what we did. And that's how we, uh, what was your reservation to payment ratio? Do you know? Yeah, I would probably say 30%, 30% with that reserve purchase. Two thirds would, would not follow through. Yeah. And, but you need also keep in mind that's because we didn't have enough people to follow up with everyone because 80% of that 30%, we had to follow up with, get them on the phone to close them. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we closed them, we didn't have to convince them. They were already sold, but they got so much stuff going on in their life. It's easy for us to go, you know, that it happens to me all the time. There's things I actually wanted to go to and do that I'd be happy to buy and attend. And I'll say, all right, tonight I'm going to go take a look at it. I'm going to buy one of these tickets. And then I totally forget. And then I see on Instagram, it happened. I'm like, shit, I wish I was there. So uh, we didn't have enough people to call everyone. Uh, How many people did you have? We had three people calling everyone. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think you needed? What are you going to have next time? We needed probably like 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> I got something. Yeah. I got something. A shout out for Ernie. So when you're following up with these people, JB, do they give you their credit card? Yeah. But what we would do is we wouldn't take their credit card over the phone. We would send them an invoice right to the text, might be a text message. And they'd fill it mm -hmm. out while we're on the phone with them and they'd, they'd put it in there. 
they'd fill it out while you're on the phone with them. Mm-hmm. How come you wouldn't just take it over the phone? Well, because we had, we need to track these metrics. So we were, our, our CRM that we're using is tracking where mm-hmm. everything is coming from, who's who, what's what. What CRM is that? What portal. Uh, we're, we're using uh, Go High Level. Okay. And then what we did was uh, we, we white labeled our own version that has full customizations and automations what we want. Um, so with that, what we were using is, is that we would send them a text message. They'd put their credit card in through text, uh, through that link, because then it's attached to everything else that we do. So when we would call someone through that system, the full call recording is on that CRM under their name. It shows when they viewed the ad, when they clicked on the ad, if they left, when they came back, we're on the phone with them. They paid via text. Our full text chat is on that system. So we wanted to keep everything within the system because we were dealing with a, a mess and what if we like, we're going to pay commissions to people later too. And if people start taking random numbers and just processing it and entering it in tracking, it would be difficult. And also being able to follow up with people is difficult because we just randomly put in a credit card. Now we can't issue the ticket through the system. So when we would process it through the system on their end, as soon as they would hit submit, bang, they get their ticket in, they get the instructions they're on the automated email campaigns. And it's totally worth okay. doing. So you, you did that for tracking and, and processing, not necessarily yeah. like functionality. Like you, you would have taken it over the phone. So, but they're giving it to you on the first call over the phone or mm-hmm. were you having to do like multiple calls? You, you uh, said it was easy. They, they were like already sold, right? So Yeah, most of them were already sold. Uh, thank goodness too, there was no confusion. Only three or four people thought we were saying the ticket was free. Most people actually knew it was a free reservation, which was good. Uh, It helped us a lot. Uh, So there wasn't kind of like no one was confused about it. Um, What we did was, I mean, when we we called people, I would say most of them closed right there on the phone. Other ones we had to follow up with. You know, some people didn't have the money yet. Some people we put on payment plans. You know, some people we, you know, we worked something out for. Some people want to buy 10 tickets. So we worked out a group rate for them. So it really depended on what was going on. Other people we needed to follow up with them. But what we didn't follow up with was... If you just were like not interested, uh, this is bullshit, or they just weren't picking up their phone, we didn't care about those leads as much. What we cared about the most was, yeah, I saw it. I'm interested. Is, he, is Grant really coming to this thing? Or, wow, Brad Lee's coming out. Can you tell me, like, what are the subjects that we're going over on there? Uh, where's the hotel? When someone's actually asking you questions, that's someone who wants to buy. Someone else is like, yeah, okay, cool. When is it again? All right, yeah, I'll let you know. I'm just going to talk to my whatever, see if I can get off. Like, sure, sure, whatever. You know, like it's, it's all right. It's What'd you get? 500, 500 people? No, uh, 618 people. 618. What was the blended average ticket sale? Uh, the average revenue per ticket was around like $832. And the cost of acquisition was around $147 per ticket. Did you have sponsors? Uh, towards the end. Yeah, we did. Okay. Like, uh, I think, Go ahead. I think a mortgage company sponsored, right? Yep. We had two, two lenders come out. So Cliffco Mortgage Bankers is my partner, Ryan's bank. He's the director okay. of sales. And now he's owner. He's an owner there too. And the second one was a uh, hard money lender, private lender, uh, share estates. Those were the lenders. We had Clarity Insurance come there, um, which was, which is a great company. Um, that was probably our three bigger ones. And we had a few other smaller ones too. So were you anticipating to sell sponsorships or did that just come in late? We were anticipating it. The thing with sponsors are this, um, and this is some valuable advice for anyone looking to set up an event. 
So a lot of our sponsors are service-based industries, which means that they're not going to make a dollar that day. Even if people say, yeah, I'm going to use this bank or yeah, I'm going to use this insurance company, they're not going to buy it that day, which means that there has to be a follow-up process, a relationship cultivation. So essentially for them, the most important thing at that point was exposure because they're probably not going to make it back specifically from that sale, but it can add to long-term credibility down the road. So if you're working with industries like that as sponsors, you have to ensure that whatever you do is a clout-based thing. Everything. If you're just trying to give them a table, they don't care about that, or they do care, but they're not going to make money off of that. So everything needs, like, you're better off saying, if you give us 40 grand to sponsor there, we're going to have a dedicated media team working with you that whole entire day to get you collateral. We're going to get you talking time with every speaker backstage so you, they, people can see that this is the people that you rub elbows with. We're going to get you to talk for five minutes on stage so people can know who you are. But we don't make it too long because we don't want to infomercial the group. So we'll actually coach them on giving advice while they're up there and actually giving something value so people don't feel like they're getting an advertisement. We're better off doing that for them, for those type of industries. For other yeah. industries that can sell that day, then you can put something in the roster and program because they can actually do the math and say, hey, if I pay 50 grand with that type of audience, these type of people, this type of exposure, I can make 250 that day. I'm in. Or maybe they can't. So, so Josh and I, we, we put on events quarterly. You know, we, we get, you know, 30, 40 people, um, not 600. That'd be nice. But uh, the sponsors carried the bulk of the weight for the yeah. sp expenses. What, what percentage of that million did they cover up? Uh, I'd probably say about 10%. So not much. No. Yeah. No. 10% is still so a good high. chunk of change. I mean, for us, when we put on our events, it's like 90, right? Sure. Yeah. So. And, and just say, like, I come from a similar background. Like, you know, when, when I was doing training, if we're going to like get something that's like a 30 person event, usually the, the, the getting the venue and getting lunch for everyone, you know, we, we usually accomplish these things for five grand or less. And for a mortgage company to lay out, let's say five G's, they can make that back on just one loan. And because there's only 30 people in the room, there's a good chance that they're going to have real relationships and referral partners by the end of that day. So they can hedge that bet. When people are showing up to see Grant or they're showing up to see Brad or they're showing up to see whoever, um, the mortgage company has a harder time being able to hedge their bet now. Who are they going to talk to? Are they going to even get the time to do it? Because people are paying money to be there to watch someone totally unrelated to them. So that's why there has to be a clout angle for that. But when, when you do the smaller uh, events, it's much easier to have lenders pick up the tab because they can quantify the value. And most of the time, one loan, can they can make all their money back. So, Question, so when you, yeah. what did you sell? What did you and your wife sell to make this thing happen? And how is your wife still with you? <laughs> <laughs> My wife is, is an incredible person. I mean, I love her so much. We were together since 17 years old. She was always very supportive of me. In fact, my cousin came to me when we were having our destination wedding in Cyprus. During the wedding, he said, I need your help. After this wedding, I want to go to, to Keller Williams in Turkey, and you're American. I think it'd be better if you came with me and helped me do a pitch to them. Uh, do you mind cutting your honeymoon short so you could do that for me? And I asked my wife, and she said, sure thing, no problem. You know, so my wife, thankfully, like our marriage didn't get affected. Um, but what did we sell? Uh, dude, sold uh, guitars, uh, sold designer bags, designer watches, basically, you know, some stuff that, you know, was not necessary, but expensive, sold those things. And, um, you know, that's why people got paid.
you know, and, and, and we made it happen because at that point, everything, everything was going to this event. In fact, our last bill was the scariest one. We thought that we had a final invoice to make the show go for like eight grand. We thought we paid everyone, everything's done. And our event planners that were with us, that were helping us manage everything, gave us a bill for like a hundred grand. Mm. And we were just like, at that point, because at that point we thought the bleeding was over. And now we're selling our crypto. I'm selling Tesla. I'm selling everything. I, I'm selling my portfolios that I have to liquidate. And I told everyone, come back in a couple hours uh, and we'll have your money. So yeah, that's what had to be sold. Um, to be honest, it was a good learning See, that, that's the shit that scares me, man. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah. That I've already kind of done that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's where I'm like, I don't want to do that shit, right? Yeah. I'd rather, well, you know. Well, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I didn't want to, but I had to, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I'm with you, dude. Like, it, it's a lot. But at the same time, now, we're, we're four days away. Everyone already bought their tickets. People got on their plane. They're already flying out. The speakers are heading out. We can't just be like, all right, the hell with it. Like, we go in. And then from there, what happens is, is that, you know, then these payments all start to clear. And um, it starts to work out. And keep in mind, if you start processing a shitload of transactions very quickly, because the media company that we did it under was only a new company since April. And now we're charging almost basically seven figures through it in a very short period of time. They'll hold 20% of your money back. For like a week, right? Yeah. So no, three months. <laughs> so what? Say yeah, what? Three months. So Ooh, now, what bank is that? No, it's through Stripe. So, oh. so what happens is that the, the processor, not the bank, the the bank would only hold our money for a couple of days. That's not a problem. That was easy. At what level did they hold it out? Was it like hundred thousand, fifty thousand? I think once we crossed two fifty in the period of time we did, okay. um, they started to hold back. 20% of the money, the payout of that money for 90 days. So that also sucked because mm -hmm. now they're holding out like quarter of a million dollars on you. So these are yeah. all things that we learned um, from it. But when it was all said and done, it was, you guys it was a great using show. Stripe again this year or are you go with a different payment processor? I think we resolved our, 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 our issues with Stripe now um, because some things are unpredictable, you know, like um, there's, there's other people that create sometimes funnels that are just so good to be true. And they just bang out a lot of money and then they, they clean it out. And Stripe, sometimes if they see like someone has a really badass lander or things are coming through landers, not through regular processors, that might flag. Luckily, we've already proven ourselves it was legit. You know, it was, it was fine. So I don't anticipate having that problem again. Now, if I start with a new company, it might happen again because we're going down the same road. But so far, so good. Wow. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that was awesome. I love it. So um, now it is like, where are you sending people to get in touch with you now? Is it for your events? Is it the marketing? Is it everything above? Like, where, where do you want people to go to uh, I, get in I, touch with I, uh, JB? Yeah, I think most people, if they want to get in touch with me, just come to me, man. Don't even go to the company. I want to help you directly, and I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I can, I can help you the way it works. Uh, so at JB Bolvedin is the best way you can find me on every outlet. From there, you'll find the links to my companies or, or, or how you can actually like find out services. But 
I always tell people, like, don't be afraid to ask me a question. Like, I'm a real person, real thing. I'm not going to put you through some bureaucratic process. Like, let's, I can help. I will. No, man, you're, you're a nice guy. You've been staying calm during that process, calm during this podcast. I don't know how, what are, what are you on drugs? No, man. <laughs> I don't even drink caffeine most of the time. I have been. Oh, that might before. be it. That might be it. You've got no caffeine in you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That could be it. I mean, what do you like, like to keep you so calm? And, and so how much of the, uh, how much of the sales came through in the, like the last four or five days? What percentage? So when we were 30 days out, we had 72 yeah. tickets sold. So imagine that. Okay. So about 10%. Well, yeah. what was your goal? Our goal was a thousand, but I'm glad we didn't hit it because the, they told us it was a thousand capacity and it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure you could tell when you got there, it was packed out. So yeah, I, I don't, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty much full at that point. So I don't, I don't really believe that they could have held that many people. So I'm glad it kind of didn't work out because I think their cap actually that day when we, when we went out there and did the math was like 670 seats. We had mm-hmm. 618 sold. Perfect. Yeah. So it kind of, and, and how, what percentage came in the last week? Last week, probably 35% was yeah. like the last week. Did you know that was going to happen? Hell no. yeah at that time no people some people told me like hey you know these things happen last minute but they never did a million dollar event and neither have i i've done smaller events where i know that's true and i wouldn't be as worried but when you have that much on the line right you know that's where it changes up yeah i hope it was profitable it was it was and the the most important thing was and, and the best part about it was we got so many new clients after that because the best case study is like, oh, does your marketing work? Can you make compelling content? Here, log into Stripe, log into Facebook Ad Manager, show them what we did, show them what we spent. Like, we've never asked the client to take a bigger risk than us. We literally, ha- I, I literally have put my money where my mouth is. And any client that's come through has never had to come even close to that type of ad spend or expenditure to pull off what we did for them. So, hey man, we, so we might, we might have to, we might have to do a consultation ourselves with you at some point. Cause this, this sounds like this, you, you, you're like, I feel like you're a media genius. Just Thank looking you. at your background, <laughs> background alone. And to have the, basically to have the balls to do that. That's, that's a big set of balls. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, dude. I mean, when, once you're in, you can't get out. It's like driving in a snowstorm. You can't pull over. You just got to keep driving and get to the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know, but you had the option and you didn't have to. Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. That's why I'm saying you got big balls to do it. I get it. Once you're in it, you're like, all right, all right, all right. I'm fucked, potentially fucked. But just to like, just say, all right, we're doing it is like. <sighs> yeah. No, for sure. All right, anything else Bro, you want to put out there, JB, for the world? JB, are you going to risk everything you have this year for the next event? Unfortunately, yes. That's exactly what we're doing. Because we're going to we're going to do... <laughs> round two, baby. Round Team two, bigger. man. Bigger, uh, about about almost triple the size. Um, we're going to go with. Uh, we're going to have a great stage again. Uh, we're probably going to make our employees four times, like four times the employees we had on the first run. We're going to be in that new space that I told you about that we're building out. Uh, to be able to operate out of there and get more media done. So 
we're doing it all over again. Every time we get ahead, you got to go put it back in and, and get behind to get ahead again. Right? They say you got to take one step back. How are you eating, JB? Freedom's a myth. I don't care what anybody tells you. Freedom is a myth. You got to keep working. Even if you got 10 mil, you got to make sure the investments are cooking, right? That's right, so, man. Freedom isn't You got to do something. Fight for it. You always got to fight for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, this was awesome, dude. JB. Thanks for being on, man. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, that was, that was unbelievable, awesome. man. Where's this going to stream?